this module, we're going to talk about the basic business requirements that you need to have set up before you can actually start to sell on Amazon. We're going to go into each of these in detail, but there's basically four major things you need to consider. The first thing is you need a company name. And initially, I recommend that you just have more of a generic type of company name. Uh, the second thing that you need to know is you got to set up your business. So you're going to have to get a, what's called an EIN or employer identification number from the IRS in the United States. You also may have some uh, sales tax uh, identification numbers that you're going to need to get. You're also going to need to get a bank account and you're going to have to get some accounting software. And we'll talk about more of those in, in more detail in just a minute. The third thing of uh, the basic business requirements that you need are trademarks and, uh, and pa potentially patents, copyrights, trademarks, and patents. It's called IP or intellectual property. And so you're going to need to potentially think about some of those, maybe or maybe not in the beginning, but uh, it's something to, to consider. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, and the fourth thing is insurance. You're going to need insurance to be actually be able to sell. Uh, you may need, uh, depending on your business, if you have employees, you might have to have workers comp and some other types of insurance. But at a bare minimum to sell on Amazon, you're going to need product liability insurance. So that, that covers you in case uh, someone gets hurt using your product. And you're going to need general liability insurance. They're two different things. And we'll talk about that more in detail uh, in just a second as well. So those are the four basic things that you need to be prepared to, to set up uh, before you actually open your Amazon account. So let's talk about each one of those in detail. And the first one is the company name. I recommend that you set up an entirely new company. So if you already have a business that you've been doing, maybe you've been selling something on eBay, you got something on the side, uh, I recommend you start from scratch. Start fresh with a fresh set of books, a fresh set of everything. So come up with a company name that's maybe a little bit more generic. This is not the name of your product line. This is not the name of what you're going to sell as a store name on Amazon. Uh, this is this is the name of your company. So like in my case, it might be uh, Kevin King Incorporated. Or if I'm partners with uh, with Bradley, it might be Kevin and Bradley Inc. Or, or whatever. Something, something along those lines. There's some great websites that you can go to to find this kind of stuff to help you find names that are available because you want to find names that also have a domain available. So you don't want to come up with something and oops, someone already has uh, the, the, that.com or that.net uh, or whatever. So if you go to websites like namestation.com or uh, bustaname.com or another good one is uh, know them, know them, like K-N-O-W-E-M, like knowem.com. Those will all check uh, the trademark database. They check uh, to see if the domain's available, uh, like a GoDaddy or some of the other domain registrars. Uh, they'll also see if the social media handles are available. So I would recommend you use one of those and just come up with some different ideas of names that you could uh, call call your company. And that way you can make sure all the, uh, the, the appropriate the social media and website stuff is, is available. Now, you're sold by name. When you sell something on Amazon, there's, this is the name of your corporation. So this is the name that payments will be made to. So when you register on Amazon, this is the main name. But when you sell on Amazon, there's a little line there that says sold by. So it'll say sold by XYZ and fulfilled by Amazon, for example. I recommend you make that name different than your corporate name. And the reason is because people will spy on you. There's ways that you can actually take your corporate name and see what you're importing, see what you're bringing in to go and check and do all kinds of things. Your competitors can more easily spy on you. Not to say that they can't anyway, but it just makes it easier for them. So I recommend that you actually have a separate name as your store name on Amazon. So that's a second name that you're going to want to actually see if it's available and run and run through those. Um, then the third name that you might need is your brand name. 
So you might have your company name. So if it's Kevin uh, Incorporated, in my case, uh, for example, and then I might have a store name. I mean, my, my store name, maybe I'm selling uh, baby products. Uh, so maybe my store name is called uh, Babies or Us. Uh, I'm just making these up. Let's say it's called Babies or Us. Uh, so everything that's sell under that is called Babies or Us. And then my third name would be the actual brand name. So uh, whatever my product is, under Babies R Us, I might have a line of clothing uh, for, for babies. And that might be called uh, uh, One Fit Baby or something like that could be the brand name. And I might have a line of uh, uh, baby bibs and that, that might be uh, uh, babydips.com or, or whatever, whatever it may be. I may have separate names under that. So there's three types of major names. You have your corporate name, you have your store name on Amazon, and then you have your brand name. So that's what I recommend you do. Now, some people don't do all three of those. Uh, they might just do two of those, but if you really want to set this up right, I recommend you do all, all three of those. Now, where should you set up your company? If you're based in the U.S., one option is to set it up in the state that you live in. And that's probably the easiest option. I live in Texas, and so I have a Texas corporation uh, because that was easy for me to set up, is easy to do, so that could be one consideration. If you live outside the United States, or if you also live in the United States and you want to do something a little bit easier, there's two states that are really good for setting up companies. One is Delaware. So Delaware has a lot of protections. You'll see a lot of big companies that uh, have uh, are based in Delaware. It's because the courts and the business courts in Delaware are very favorable to entrepreneurs. But but if uh, what I recommend most people do is and like my wife when she set up an account, I had even though she lives in Texas with me, obviously, uh, I had her set up one in Wyoming. The state of Wyoming is only like half a million people. Uh, in the U.S., it's a very small state. It's very favorable for businesses. And so, in Wyoming, there's a there's a website called Wyoming Agents, WyomingAgents.com that you can go to, and you can actually set up a, a company really cheap there, like 50 bucks or something. Uh, and and it's really easy. The reporting is very minimal. You got to pay about 25 dollars each year to file a, a report. You can do all this online. The good thing about Wyoming is it protects you, so it protects the owners of the company, so it makes it harder to know who owns the company. Uh, they have mail drops there so that if all your mail can get forwarded there, any legal documents can go there, they'll scan them and send them to you. It's a really good, it's really cheap, uh, and it's really good protection. So I would recommend you take a look, whether you do, you're in the U.S., consider your own state or consider going to Wyoming. Or if you're outside the United States, you can run your company as a, a foreign-based company. So if you're in the U.K. or Germany, you can have your German company sell in the U.S., but later on, if you're going to sell your company, uh, which I recommend most people be considering doing, it makes it easier if you're U.S.-based. So you don't have to be U.S.-based, but it makes it a lot easier if you are U.S.-based uh, because there's, there's things in the U.S. for getting loans. For A lot of people will buy uh, what's called a, 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 use an SBA loan, Small Business Administration loan, when they're going to buy a company in the United States. And they, they go to that company and say they're going to pay you a million dollars for your business. Instead of having to put a million dollars out of their pocket, they might only have to put $100,000 out of their pocket, for example. And then $900,000 of it, the government will actually back. The government will guarantee it and that they use that to pay you. And that way they can get it by your business and without having to put a bunch of money out of their pocket. But you have to be a U.S.-based business for that to happen. So that's that's one consideration. But you, like I said, you do not have to be in the U.S., uh, but that's one consideration that could potentially make it easier uh, in, in the future. So once you've done all this and you've got your names and you've figured all these out and you've secured those by going to those websites, uh, you want to make sure you get go to like GoDaddy or one of the other name registrars and make sure you, you secure those names. Then you're going to need to set up your business. So you're going to need to set up a business bank account. 
Now, if you've used Wyoming, uh, if you live uh, in, you live, say, in Texas, um, some banks will not open a bank account for you if you live if you if you're incorporated outside the state. But bank, the big banks like Chase Bank and those guys typically will. So you can take the documents you get from Wyoming and go and open a bank account uh, in your local area. Um, and so that's the first thing you need is you need to get a business bank account. Make sure don't use your personal bank account for selling on Amazon. It needs to be a true business bank account. Then you're going to need to get what's called an EIN. An EIN is employer identification number. It's a number from the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, the tax authority in the U.S. You can go to irs.gov and, uh, and get this because at the end of every year, Amazon is going to actually uh, send you a document called a 1099. And it's a document that shows how much sales have been that you that they collected on your behalf uh, on Amazon, and they're going to report that to the government under your EIN. And then you got to re- file a tax return that that you better show at least that much money or more, or you you run the risk of getting an an, an audit. The EIN is also necessary to import. So whenever you're importing in the U.S. and you give it to your importer, your shipping company, you're going to need that EIN number as well. Uh, it's just how they keep track of you. And you don't want to use your personal social security number if, you, if you're a U.S. citizen. You want to get an EIN. So I re- really recommend you do that. The next thing you're going to need to get is a sales tax number. Now, like if you're going to incorporate in Wyoming, you're going to need to get a Wyoming sales tax number. Uh, and if you are based in Texas like I am, I also have a Texas sales tax number. So wherever you're at what's called Nexus. Nexus means you have a physical presence. So if you have a uh, an office in Texas and you also have an office in California, you're going to need to get a sales tax number in Texas and California. If you're international and selling in the U.S. and you incorporate in Wyoming, Wyoming is good enough uh, for, for the beginning. Now, the deal with sales tax is it's very, very complicated right now. Uh, in the past, there was a law uh, in the United States that said that if you don't have Nexus, you don't have to collect sales tax. So if I didn't have a physical presence in the state, so if I'm in Texas, and I sell something to somebody in, uh, in New York, and I don't have an office or a warehouse or anything in New York, I didn't have to pay, collect sales tax and pay it to New York. I'll, only if they lived in Texas did I have to pay tax. Well, just recently, the Supreme Court of the United States overturned that old law, and now Nexus basically means anywhere that you, you have a presence. So, But when you sell on Amazon, you don't have control over what warehouses. They have like 120, 130 different warehouses all over the United States. And so when they, I ship my products, they may tell me, ship your products only to Dallas and to Ontario, Cal- California. But then they take those products and they split them out all over the United States, all these different warehouses that are close to the customers. And so these warehouses that are close to the customers, I don't know where they do it. There's a way to figure that out, but I don't really know where they do it. So, But I'm responsible for that tax. And so what's happening right now is there's, there's software that will do this, like TaxJar and Avalara and some of these guys will actually handle this for you for about 30 to $50 per month and, and tie into the Amazon system and, and, and do all this. But what's happening is a lot of these states are passing what's called marketplace laws. And so depending on when you're watching this, is going to make a difference. But there's a handout in this section that will show you state by state what the laws are. So in the past, some people have gone to every single state. Uh, there's 45 states in the United States that actually collect sales tax. Five of them don't. Uh, so They've gone and registered in each of those states. That's a pain in the ass and a lot of extra work and you got to pay a lot of extra money. It's a really big burdensome. So what a lot of these states have done is they've passed laws that say you have to hit me to a certain threshold. So if you, uh, it's, it varies by state by state. So some states it's $100,000 and 20,000, 20, uh, 200 sales. 
Another say it's half a million dollars and X amount of sales. Uh, and it, so only if you meet those thresholds do you have to register and pay tax. So if you take a look at the handout that's included in this section, that will break it down, the latest information, on a state-by-state -state basis. And you can decide if you want to go register in those states or not. What I recommend for most people in the beginning is register in the state that you live in and the state you're incorporated in. And then and don't worry about it too much. Uh, now, this is not legal advice. Uh, this is just what I, I do is not worry about it too much until you reach those levels. Uh, this is something you can do later once you start reaching those levels. But another thing that's happening is what's called marketplace laws. So depending on when you're watching this, it may be across the entire country uh, because this is moving really fast or it may be in half the states. And the states have realized that, hey, this is really a pain in the butt for Kevin to try to collect in 45 states and to go after all these people. Amazon is making the sale, so why don't we just make Amazon take the tax? And so Amazon is, is being forced to collect the tax in these states. And that makes it a lot easier for us and a lot more fair. So depending on where we're at right now, but check the, the handout and that'll show you exactly where, where we're at. Now, if you do have to collect the tax, Amazon will collect it for you. They will pay it to you when they, they give you your payments every couple of weeks. They do take a small fee for collecting it. Uh, but if it's a marketplace, they're just going to take the money and you don't have to worry about it. If it's a marketplace law, if you look in the handout, and it says marketplace, that means they'll collect it and they'll pay it. You don't have to worry about it. So don't get too stressed about it in the beginning. Uh, just make sure you're covered in the state that you live in and the state that you're registered in uh, at a bare minimum. Then also you're going to need some accounting software. Uh, now there's a lot of good tools like the Profit Tool on Helium 10 is a great tool to get you some basic numbers. Uh, it's a great tool that I use almost on an every, everyday basis to take a look at and like, okay, here's where I'm at. This, but it's not a, a true accounting tool. You need true accounting tools uh, as well. And true accounting tools in, in this business, there's, there's three or four of them, but the two that I recommend are Zero with an X, X-E-R-O, Zero, uh, or QuickBooks. Those are professional CPA level accounting tools. So you're either gonna need that or you're gonna need to, uh, if you have a bookkeeper or someone, they probably have access to either of those. There's a piece of software called out of Australia called A2X, the letter A, the number two, and then an X, accounting. Uh, that connects all your Amazon data. So it'll automatically download all your Amazon data into QuickBooks or into Xero uh, for you. It makes your life a lot easier, kind of automates the process. So those are some of the tools that you might want to take a look at as well. Or if you have a bookkeeper, they probably already have these uh, these tools. Now these are ones that you'll, you might not need these on day one. You don't need to rush out and like today sign up for these, but this is stuff you gotta be thinking after you start selling and start making some progress. You're gonna need to put these things in place. In the beginning, from Helium 10 is, is actually, uh, will get you by in the beginning, but you're gonna need to advance beyond that uh, in the future. So the third thing that you need to be aware of when you're setting up your new business are trademarks, patents, and copyrights, or some people call this intellectual property or IP. So if you might wanna consider actually trademarking your name, um, if you have a new invention, you might wanna consider pat, uh, getting a patent on it to keep people from copying it. And if you're shooting a lot of original images or you have original packaging design of your box, you might wanna get copyrights on that. Now, this is not absolutely necessary in the beginning, but the one thing that I highly, highly recommend you do in the beginning is do get a trademark. As soon as you know what you're gonna sell, I recommend you immediately go and get a trademark because in the United States, a trademark can take about nine months to actually get. And by having a trademark, Amazon gives you a lot of extra advantages. Uh, they like to have brands on Amazon and they don't really consider you a brand until you have a trademark. This doesn't apply once you've applied for the trademark. It doesn't work while you're waiting. You have to actually have the little gold seal 
And in the final number from the Patent and Trademark Office, and once you have that and you register that under what's called the Brand Registry Program on Amazon, it opens up a lot of extra things to you. You get to add extra pictures to your listing. You get to add videos to your listing. You get a lot of extra reports called Brand Analytics. You get to advertise uh, in a different way with little headline banner ads. You get so many extra benefits that you want to make sure you have that trademark. And so while you're getting going, you're wasting a lot of valuable time by not doing that. So as soon as you got your name, now you may not know what you're going to sell. People always ask me, Kevin, I don't know what I'm going to sell. So how do I get a trademark if I don't know if I'm going to sell baby stuff or I'm going to sell automotive parts or I'm going to sell pets? Because when you get a trademark, you have to tell the trademark office exactly what you're going to trademark. And you can't just say, I want a trademark under this name. It's going to cover me for everything. You have to pick a category. So you have to tell them this is going to be for baby strollers or you have to tell them this is going to be for uh, pet food products or whatever. If you don't know yet what you're going to sell, I still recommend you go and get a trademark uh, and maybe do it on your company name. Just do it on one of the more generic names that could cover you across a lot of industries. That way you at least have one trademark when you start selling, hopefully, or soon after you start selling so that you have some sort of level of protection and some of these extra things are opened up to you. Then later on, once you really know what you're going to sell, you can go back and file another trademark or make a, a, a pen your current trademark and add another category to it. Uh, that's something I really recommend you do. Now, a lot of people get confused on the difference between copyrights, trademarks, and patents. So let me explain that a trademark basically covers a mark. A trademark is like your brand name or your brand logo. When you get a trademark, you want to make sure you do it on the, uh, there's two options. One is based on a mark, which could be like your logo, like Nike, the swish, that's a mark. Or another one is based on the word. It's called the word mark, like the word Nike, N-I-K-E. Always make sure you, you at least do it on the, on the word mark. That's what Amazon accepts. You could also do it on the, the image mark if you want to spend the extra money. It's not necessary in the beginning. You could always do that later if you're on a tight budget. Uh, but make sure you do it on the word mark. And that's what, a, that's what a trademark protects. You'll see the little TM. People will put TM next to it. That means the trademark is in process. So whenever you see someone put TM, that means it's not official yet. Once it becomes official, it has a little R in a circle. That means it's actually officially filed with the U.S. government. And so that's how you can tell the difference. So as soon as you have your trademark filed, you can start putting the TM on everything and it'll scare a bunch of people away. And once it's registered, you can put the little R. Now, the, the next thing you want to do is, is look at copyrights. Now, the difference between a copyright and a trademark is a, is a copyright is, is on, a, on a work. So it could be on a song. It could be on a, a, a slogan. It can be on a packaging design. It can be on a concept. Trade, uh, copyrights are different than a trademark uh, and they cover you in a lot of different ways. Now, copyright's not absolutely necessary. A trademark's going to cost you uh, back on the trade, anywhere from, depends on the category and a, a, another of factors in the United States, anywhere from $225 to $325 in government filing fees. And then there's some additional fees that you may have to, to pay if you're, depending on if you're using a lawyer or a third party service. Uh, those can run into the thousands of dollars sometimes, but there's ways to do it cheaper. I'll tell you some websites here in just a minute that are, that are great for that. Uh, but a copyright is about 30 to 50 bucks. It's much cheaper to file. And what copyrights can do is once you have a, if you have a unique packaging design, you might want to file a copyright on that packaging design because that gives you some protection on Amazon under what's called the DMCA or the Dig Digital Millennium Copyright Act. And so if someone comes onto Amazon and starts, it's called a hijacker, and they start selling your selling a, a similar product to you or copy your product, if they're using the same packaging, you don't have a trademark on the packaging because that's not trademarkable. 
but it's copyrightable. If you have a copyright filed and you paid that 35 or 50 bucks, you can take that document and file what's called a DMCA uh, notice to uh, Amazon. And by law in the United States, they have to remove the offending product. It's by law. And so that's one of the best ways to get people off of your listing when someone copies you is to have a trademark on your packaging or on your, on your slogan or some of the other things. So I'm sorry, not trademark, a copyright on your packaging or on your slogan or some, some of the other things. Now, the third thing um, is called, called a patent. And a patent is if you have a new invention. You've invented something completely new. Uh, you might actually want to make a patent on it. Now, there's two types of patents. There's one called a utility patent, and there's one called a design patent. And a utility patent is on how something works. It's actually like, what does this thing do? How does it actually work? A uh, design patent is based on how it looks. So it's based on a look. Utility patents are much more complicated and take longer to get approved and cost a lot more money. Design patents are usually a few thousand bucks or less, can get approved pretty quickly, and can be good protection for you. So if you come up with a product, and maybe it's something that's already being sold on Amazon, but you've modified it slightly, like for example, I had a uh, slow feed dog bowl, and there's a lot of round slow feed dog bowls on Amazon. And I came up with a dog bowl that's in the shape of a bone. Now it's a slow feed dog bowl, it does the same thing, but I put a design patent on that, on that shape. And so that way, if someone copies that exact shape, I have some ammunition to actually try to stop them from selling against me on Amazon. Someone copies me. Design patent will let me do that. A utility patent, I could have gone into a whole utility patent and said exactly what it does, but for purposes of selling on Amazon, it's not really necessary. It's, a, it's good for legal purposes, you know, out in the court of law, but for selling on Amazon, the design patent is usually good enough. And so that's something you want to check as well. And also you're going to look at these when you're evaluating products to make sure whatever products you're deciding to sell don't have patents on them either because you don't want to spend a lot of money and, and go through this process and then find out someone has a patent on it. Now, where can you check on this stuff? You can hire a lawyer. Uh, there's a link down at the bottom here, of uh, one that Helium 10 recommends uh, that will do a lot of this stuff for you uh, for a small fee. Uh, you can hire a local law firm that specializes in IP law uh, that, that will do it, and they might charge a little bit more. Or you can do some of this on your own. You can do the basic searching on your own by going to patents.google.com, and that, that's a great database to search uh, and to see what's out there and make sure you're not offending. What I do a lot of times, if it's not a complicated, is I'll use a site like LegalSherpa or Trademarkia.com, LegalSherpa.com or Trademarkia.com, and I'll do a search there. And sites like Legal Sherpa, you can actually file your own. They, they charge like a $100 fee, and you can actually file your own. But it can get, if you mess up, it might cost you some time and money. So you got to be comfortable doing that. Uh, but that's, that's something you got to consider. The fourth basic thing you need to consider is insurance. And there's two main types of insurance you need. If you have employees in a warehouse, you might need workers' comp, or there's a whole other thing that each state may, may require. But for purposes of Amazon, there's one type of insurance Amazon requires, and that's called general liability insurance. General liability insurance, they, uh, uh, what Amazon requires is if you've been selling for three months and you do over $10,000 or more per month, you're required to have this. And they may be changing this uh, uh, as well uh, because there's been some case law recently where uh, there's been some issues with this. Amazon typically hasn't enforced this in the past, but I think uh, they're about to start enforcing it, so you need to do it. General liability insurance usually will only cost you about five or six hundred dollars per year, and it basically covers just if someone hurts themselves in the warehouse, if the UPS driver uh, drops a package on someone's doorstep, and the, the customer comes out and trips over it and tries to sue you. It'll cover those kinds of uh, general things. 
And like I say, it's like five or $600 a year. The second one is called product liability. And most people get these confused. Product liability insurance, you can't just go to any insurance agent and get, you gotta go to specialists that specialize in product liability insurance. Product liability insurance ensures that your product uh, is against, uh, ensures you against uh, your product hurting somebody. So say you're selling an exercise device, an ab roller. Someone uses the ab roller and yanks their back out. And they're like, oh, we're gonna sue this company that made this ab roller because they, they, made, they made it faulty. That would be liability insurance. So you wanna, make, you wanna get liability insurance to cover you for that. That can get really expensive. Uh, mine is about $6,000 a year. And the more you sell, the more that's gonna go up. Um, so that's another type of insurance you might wanna consider. Some people would skip that in the first, they just get the general liability, but just understand if you skip it, you're, you're rolling the dice that something could happen. Some people can sleep at night with that. Other people wanna be completely covered. And so liability insurance, uh, they, they, they come every year and they, they do an audit. It changes every year based on what you're selling. And like in my case, they say my liability doesn't cover anything I sell on eBay. Only cover stuff on Amazon and my own site. There's all kinds of rules. And depending on what you're selling, depends on the risk. If you're selling supplements or something that people ingest, uh, it's probably gonna be a little bit higher. Uh, so those are the types of insurance that I recommend. If you look down in the, in the, the, the notes section here, in the links section of this module, there's a couple companies that we recommend you check out uh, that can help you with this, uh, of getting this insurance. So those are a few places that you might want to contact and see what they can do for you, at least on general liability. Uh, and then at some point, you're going to want to definitely consider getting uh, the, the, the basic liability insurance. Um, so again, it just depends on how comfortable you are with each of these things. So those are the four basic things that you need uh, to know uh, for setting up your business on Amazon. Now, the other thing about what's great about Amazon is you can sell from anywhere in the world. Uh, you don't have to have a U.S. bank account uh, in order to sell in the United States. Because, now, Amazon will pay you no matter where you are. So if you're based in Germany, uh, they will pay to your German bank account. Now, there are certain countries that Amazon will not allow you to sign up from. So there is a list of countries. If you live in certain countries, you can't even open an Amazon account. Um, so as long as you're in one of the countries that Amazon allows you to open an account from, you can open an account and you can have them pay to your, say your German bank account. But Amazon's gonna charge you about a three to 4% fee to do that uh, every time they make a payment to you. So you're gonna be losing some money. So what a lot of people do is they like to set up a US bank account. Uh, if, they're, if you're in the United States, you definitely should have a US bank account and make sure it's a business bank, business checking account, not a savings account, not your personal account that you're mixing with other things, a completely isolated business checking account. And you're gonna set that up. Now, if you're international, and you want to set up uh, uh, a bank account, you're probably going to have to fly to the United States to actually set up a bank account. Very few banks in the U.S. will allow you to set up a bank account uh, remotely. Uh, there's also a handout if you're international uh, in your section here on, on, that you want to take a look at on how to set up a business. Uh, how to sell on Amazon in the U.S., set up a business if you're international. So that'll walk you through some of the steps you need to do. So make sure you take a look at that handout. Um, but one of the other things that you can do is there's a company that specialize in moving money uh, between them. One of my favorites is called Ping Pong. Uh, if you go to pingpongpayments.com, you can check them out. There's also some additional ones like World First and OFX and some others. If you check the links uh, below, you'll see those. Uh, what these guys do is they set up a virtual account for you. So if you're international, uh, they will actually set up a, like a, a virtual account in the United States. Amazon will pay that account in US dollars so you don't lose any of the exchange fees. And then then whenever you want, you withdraw the money. So you can withdraw the money when the exchange rates are good, 
or you can even pay your factory directly from that. So you never have to change from US dollars to euros back to US dollars to pay your factory. These can be great. So take a look at ping pong payments from one of the other ones, and it can be great. The same thing goes if you're in the US and you're going to sell in Europe, you're going to get paid in euros. You can get your euros back in US dollars at a much cheaper rate. So check those out. And that can be a great way to save some money. So maybe you may be asking, which marketplace should I sell in? Where should I start? I recommend most people start in the US. Yes, it's the most competitive. Yes, it's the biggest marketplace, but it's where everything I'm going to teach you in here works. Um, and if you're, if you're not going to sell in the US, the next best one probably is Germany. You're going to have to know the German language. The German people are very picky and very, uh, can be very anal, hard to get reviews. And uh, it's a different type of mentality, but that's the next best marketplace. The UK and Japan would probably be the next two after that. But I recommend most people start in the U.S., get your feet wet, and then expand out from there. Uh, but sometimes there's a good reason to start in, in, another, in, in Europe first and then come to the U.S. I know some people are very successful doing that. It just depends on you. Now, what type of business should you set up? There's three major type of businesses in the U.S. There's what's called a C-Corp. A C-Corp is like the big corporation. Those are the ones that usually say I-N-C, Inc., after them. They have unlimited shareholders. So you can have as many shareholders, as many people have stock in there as you want. The next type is a, called an S-Corp. An S-Corp is limited. Usually they have only about 25 shareholders uh, and all the profits pass through. That means that any profits that are made in the company get passed through to the personal tax returns of, of the, the shareholders. And so there's advantages to that and disadvantages to that. And then the, the third type is an LLC. An LLC stands for Limited Liability Company. That's what I recommend most people do. Now you're gonna to wanna to talk to your own legal expert, your own lawyer and your own CPA see what's best for your circumstance. Uh, but what most people and what I do is an LLC uh, because those are usually single members because I'm, I run my company. I don't have any partners. You can have a multi-member too, but that way it makes it easier for the taxes. Everything goes on my personal tax return. So as an LLC, everything gets paid to the business. The business makes a profit or loss and then it gets transferred to my personal tax return and I don't have to file all these extra documents and it, it, it kind of minimizes some of the paperwork and there's some advantages uh, to that. So you don't want to check with your, your, your accountant or your personal, uh, your personal lawyer to see what's the best for your situation. What I definitely don't recommend you do is a sole proprietorship. And don't set something up as a sole proprietorship on Amazon because that's uh, not, not really ideal. And when you're getting a trademark, one of the other options besides getting a trademark in the U.S. is to actually get a trademark outside the U.S. Now, there, there's a couple caveats about this, though. If you're going to be selling in the U.S. legally to have any kind of legal enforceability, you have to have a trademark in the United States. Uh, otherwise, you don't have a, in a court of law or in a legal matter, you really don't have uh, a case. But for Amazon's purposes, Amazon is a little bit different. You can actually use a trademark from another country uh, to get brand registry in the United States. So you could actually go apply for a trademark in, say, Europe or Mexico or somewhere else, any of the other marketplaces that Amazon uh, sells in, and you get a trademark there, you can use that trademark to get the brand registry option opened up to you in the United States. Now, the advantage to this is that in the to get a U.S. trademark, it takes about nine months on average, give or take, to, uh, assuming there's no problems with your with your paperwork or with your mark. There's no confusion or you don't have to change it or anything. But in Europe, you can actually get one in about two to three months. In Mexico, sometimes you can get them in a couple months. Sometimes it takes like a year. And so what you can actually do to get the brand registry in the U.S., if you want to speed that up, is you can actually go to a foreign uh, country like, like Europe. And there's a website in Europe 
It's at TM, it'll be down in the, in the links in the bottom, but tmdn.org slash tmview. And if you go to that website, uh, you can actually see it has links uh, to all the European uh, trademark offices. Uh, it has like everything in like 22 different European languages. And also uh, that website has links to all the trademark offices around the world. So it's a, it's a great little resource uh, because down at the bottom of the page, you can actually click and, and see trademark offices all over the world. It takes you right to the official site. But you could actually get a, a trademark in Europe. Uh, the, the, the official website to do that in Europe is uh, euipo.europa.eu. The, the link will be down uh, in, the, in the notes as well. But euipo.europa.eu. And you go there and it costs about 850 euros or about a thousand bucks. But this process is usually about two to three months. Uh, so it can be a lot faster. And then you can use that. If, if you get approved for a brand there, you can use that to open up brand registry in the United States. You can also go to Mexico, uh, to like a mextm.com. Uh, and that's a website where you can get uh, Mexican trademarks. Uh, and sometimes it's easier to get a trademark in Mexico because not as many people do it there. So maybe your mark is taken in the U.S. or maybe it's taken in Europe. And you can go to Mexico and maybe actually get the mark a, a little bit easier. And once you have that, you can then sign up for the brand registry in the U.S. using that. But the caveat is you're not going to have legal protection. So if you actually have a true legal matter, like in a court of law, you're not protected until you have the U.S. one. Also, you won't have full protection on Amazon. You will open up the brand registry. So you get the brand analytics, you get the ability to add EBC. You get the, uh, the ability to do some of the additional advertising with the headline ads and some of that stuff. But if you have a complaint, if you need to file a complaint against someone who's uh, copying your mark and like maybe it's, you have a hijacker that's on your listing or someone that's jumped on your listing and you're trying to get them off, Amazon won't always enforce that because the mark is, you have to have the trademark within the country that you're selling in. So it's kind of a, like a half breed. It's like you might want to consider getting one in one of these other countries just so that you get those additional benefits uh, uh, from Amazon of the reporting and the, the advertising capabilities. But just understand it's not full protection. You're still going to need to go and get an actual mark in the, in the United States if you're selling in the United States. So that's just one little shortcut there. Another thing you might consider, you don't have to do this in the beginning, but you really might consider this if you're, if you're manufacturing in China, you might actually, actually, want, actually might want to get a Chinese trademark. They're not super expensive. You've got to be careful. There's a lot of websites out there that, uh, that are not so trustworthy or will charge you a lot of money. If you look in the links, we'll have a link to to someone uh, that, that can probably help you out with that. Uh, but the Chinese trademarks will, uh, China, the trademarks work a little bit different in China. In the United States, it's a first to use country. So that means that it's, whoever uses the mark first has kind of priority rights. In China, it's whoever files first. So what happens sometimes is some of the factories, once you're really successful, uh, they will play uh, kind of nasty games or maybe a competitor will play a nasty game and they'll go and register a trademark in China and try to screw with you a little bit and try to cause some problems uh, with your shipments or try, try to cause some issues. So at some point you might wanna consider actually once you know you're solid on, on, on your product name and you're solid on your product and you're sure you're gonna go forward with it, you don't need to do this in the beginning, but consider actually getting a trademark in China and you, could, should, you should do it in both English and in uh, Chinese uh, in both. And that way just get, it, it's not super expensive but it gets you just a little bit extra layer of protection if you're manufacturing in China and it allows you to enforce. Uh, one of the problems I have sometimes is my, my images are really good uh, for my lifestyle images and stuff. So my factory will copy them and use them on like Alibaba or maybe a competitor will use them on Alibaba or one of the Chinese websites. And by having that trademark in China, 
you can knock them off and you can can enforce your rights a lot easier. So those are just a few things to consider. Now, if you don't want to do this process yourself, like some of the links that and other things that I've told you, uh, look down the links and we have a couple of uh, links to some law firms that can help you with this. They are a little bit more expensive, um, but they can help you with that. So, you know, doing a trademark by yourself can be expensive and you could have some mistakes. Like for my case, you know, the first time I did, I used like LegalSherpa.com. It was inexpensive, uh, but, and my mark went through the first time, but once it got to the trademark office, one of the attorneys over there in Washington, D.C., took a look at it and said, hey, Kevin, this is a little bit too close to some other ones. It was like three months in, I'd already put the, put this mark on my products. It's already being made. I had to call the manufacturer and say, hey, stop the presses, stop everything. We got to change it. And I had to change the mark. So that's a risk you take. But if you want to go a little bit safer route and have an attorney do it, uh, you can go to sellertrademarks.com. Um, that's who, who uh, Helium 10 and I recommend that you take a, take a look at and use. It's at where you have an actual attorney involved. And it's a cheaper route than if you just go out and hire an IP attorney directly. And they, um, she can do both uh, U.S. trademarks and European trademarks and, and uh, perhaps some other foreign countries too. So you can check with her. But that's a great place to to uh, to go if you want to want to just make sure all your T's are crossed and all your I's are dotted. It does cost a little bit more money because there's an attorney involved, but it, it is uh, probably a little bit safer route. It's your decision though. Uh, but whatever you do, you need to get it going on the trademark as soon as possible because it it is one of the key things to getting you additional benefits selling on Amazon and some additional protections uh, when you start being successful. So hopefully this has given you some good information uh, on on how to sell uh, and how to set up your business on Amazon. And these are just some of the fundamentals uh, that you need to know before you can actually open your Amazon account. So we'll be talking about more about that in the upcoming module. So we'll see you in the next